0: Uh, Molly Ball in Time Magazine at the end of last week uh, put out a story, The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign, that saved the 2020 election. And a lot of people seized upon the story to continue to perpetuate outrage over a stolen election and said, aha, proof, proof, the election was stolen. See these left-wing groups, see what they did. Molly Ball has documented it and they're bragging about it. Except if you read the story they didn't really steal the election. Uh, they they actually strategized uh, and they outmaneuvered Republicans. That's not a theft. That's incompetence on the Republican side. Uh, there's no theft here. There's no, there's no fraud. There's no nothing. Uh, there's no hacking voter machines, nothing. And, of course, you'll have some conspiracy say, well, if they're willing to admit all of this, what weren't they willing to admit? And that's the thing, though. They were willing to admit everything they did. Listen, uh, there are a lot of people who who want to peddle the myth of the stolen election because it makes them feel better. It also makes them, eh, I'm learning, feel unburdened. Uh, they no longer have to participate in a process that they don't particularly like anymore. It's icky, and they can just wash their hands of it and say, well, it's stolen. Uh, time to withdraw from the scene and do nothing. Uh, it it uh, provides them their excuse to extricate them from a messy political process where, deep down, they really don't believe it was messy, but they have to hide behind that excuse uh, for why they've given up on culture, why they've given up on politics, why they've given up on all of it. They just don't like the dirtiness of it. So they see this article, and it provides them further proof. But what it actually does is it shows just how inept the Republicans were in 2020 across the board. And privately, when you talk to members of President Trump's on-campaign team, including uh, those who participated in the, their um, post-mortem of their election, uh, there was frankly a lot of ineptitude on the Republican side, and their screaming about a stolen election has provided them a smokescreen to avoid being held in- accountable for their incompetence. This has nothing to do with the president, but the people who surrounded the president and made a lot of money uh, essentially grifting off President Trump's campaign and the president, running it into the ground and spending money on nonsensical things. So what Molly Ball does is she provides a portrait of a group that begins as a as a progressive activist coalition of unions and corporate titans and evolves into a bipartisan group uh, towards the end uh, as the fallout from the election is exacerbated post-election. Now, you have to remember, setting the scene here, A bunch of progressives were threatening to burn down America if they didn't get their way. And there are progressives who are alarmed that their own side would potentially want to burn down America if they lose. And there are equally progressives who are alarmed by President Trump telling everyone if he didn't win, it was going to be stolen. It was proof of a stolen election and realizing they got to do something to ensure the integrity of the election. They also, the progressives, wanted to win. What they did was they did what a lot of Republicans used to do. Let's take Georgia just as a microcosm here in Georgia, where I am. Let me explain to you. In the late 90s and early 2000s, when I was highly active within the Republican Party as a lawyer, as a uh, chairman of the College Republicans, as a campaign manager and campaign consultant, one of the things Republicans did very well is organize the state. And not just organize the state. But organized coalitions, I worked for a time for Saxby Chambliss, who, when he was running for Congress, was his coalitions director, of volunteer capacity. Essentially, they just gave me a title, and I wrote letters on his behalf to different coalitions and talked to people so that he didn't have to talk to the pro-life groups and the gun groups and things like that. But they all coordinated. They all got on the same page. They were all heading towards a common purpose. And they also uh, networked with corporations and people who, big CEOs, made sure they were involved. And then you organize down to the precinct level. Every county is divided into precincts. Actually, every county is divided into areas and every area divided into precincts. So I'm just speaking for me here in Bibb County, where I live, I live in the Howard precincts. There are a number of Howard precincts. They cover North Macon. In South Macon, you have the Rutland Area and those Rutland areas are divided into precincts you've got the hazard area it's divided into precincts you've got East Macon is divided into multiple precincts and uh, downtown Macon is divided into multiple precincts. every precinct has roughly the same number of people in it. They shift those precincts around. There are about fifty in the county and at a time there was a time when the Republican Party in georgia had all of those precincts mapped out, and they knew who every single Republican was in those precincts, and they were in regular communication with those people to make sure they had their grassroots network together. Now, in some places, in some cases in Georgia, that still happens. But it has atrophied within the Republican Party at the time that the Democratic Party has gone overboard with what the Republicans used to do. The Republicans in in Georgia used to have a network of people where if someone new was moving into the neighborhood the party probably knew about it before that person even knew where to go to to fill out their voter registration form and helpfully a republican would show up and get that person make sure that person was registered to vote that i mean they did i used to do this when i was in college it was one of the things the college republicans helped do in georgia your your local republican captain got word that someone had moved into the neighborhood down the street and Helpfully, a local Republican would go by, knock on the door, and make sure they were registered to vote, answer any questions, make them feel at home, bring them a casserole. Local churches used to do that, too, and oftentimes that doesn't happen at all anymore. People are less neighborly than they were. Well, the Democrats this year decided they needed to do something similar, but they also needed to, with Donald Trump having convinced the American media that he was a liar and lied about everything, that they would have to battle disinformation. And they were able to build peer pressure upon social media companies to tamp down misinformation and disinformation. There's no proof uh, that they got massive amounts of stuff silenced. They got some stuff silenced and taken down. They got other stuff slowed down. They worked with media companies to make sure everyone understood that uh, there there were certain narratives that needed to be advanced. This is all standard politics. And they worked with corporations to make sure that corporations, if Joe Biden won, corporations would immediately, uh, through various trade groups, declare him the winner. And ultimately, they got Republicans involved as well, Republicans concerned about the destabilization of the election, some of them very much pro-Trump, some of them very anti-Trump, but all of them wanted to make sure that there was not chaos in the election with the world watching. Now, a lot of people will look at this and say, well, this was stolen. This is proof that it was stolen. One of the things these groups did is they amassed lots of outside money to go educate voters on how to vote absentee. Part of this was a strategic problem with the Republican campaign, you had Donald Trump telling everyone that the Democrats were going to steal it through absentee balloting, do not go vote by absentee ballot. And what you saw in states like Georgia, where typically Republicans have an absentee voting advantage, is the Democrats crushed it four to one. The Democrats overwhelmed the Republican with absentee balloting uh, and Republicans needed to be at parity or better in the early vote, and they barely were there In the early vote, um, it is it's amazing how the Republicans dropped the ball this year. And privately, they will concede that given the president's distrust of absentee balloting and the mixed messages on voter integrity, a lot of Republican groups either didn't participate, didn't know how to participate, or they didn't want to perceive as being a bad guy and contradicting the president. So they led sleeping dogs lie. One of the very few places where this didn't happen was in Florida. And what happened? The president won Florida the president blessed the Florida early voting and absentee voting strategy and Republicans crushed it here in Georgia. Republicans flubbed it. They didn't even try for an absentee voter strategy. These outside groups looked at the pandemic and never let a crisis go to waste. They had an opportunity to encourage black voters for the first time to vote in overwhelming numbers by absentee ballots. Now this is very important. You need to understand this historically historically black voters vote on election day. Uh, They vote on election day because it took them a very long time to secure their right to vote. And as a matter of historic pride, black communities tend to turn out on election day to vote. They don't want to vote absentee. They want to stand in line and vote. It is their right. They fought for it in the civil rights era. They want it. This time, uh, the NAACP and and a number of left-wing groups got together and collaborated on messaging that We've got a global pandemic. Uh, your life is in danger if you go stand in line because you get this virus. So vote by absentee. And they send absentee uh, election volunteers out into communities. They sent forms and on and on it went. They outworked. They out hustled. They outmaneuvered the Republicans. They lined up corporations in America to give money to help with absentee balloting. All of it framed nonpartisan. They worked with nonpartisan groups But clearly, the progressives had in mind getting Democrats to go vote, and it worked. The Republicans could have done every single thing done in this. They could have done every single thing that was done by these groups, and they chose not to. They chose to distrust the process. They chose to see doubt in the process, and they chose to try to rally everyone to vote on Election Day, and it didn't work. Part of this was the president had burned so many bridges, and his campaign had burned so many bridges, There were a lot of people who didn't want to give them the time of day. If you're a Republican, you have to acknowledge that some within the party did a very good job of making a lot of people mad. And I'm not talking about the president and his antics talking about the party as a whole, burned bridges with a lot of outside groups who probably would have been willing to help them. The chamber of commerce itself for the first time this year was uh, decided to back a couple of Democrats. And you got to be mindful of this landscape. And part of this, I do think you have to ask yourself as a Republican, why were all of these people willing to get together and vote for the other side? What, what, what about us led them to do that? Not all of them were progressive groups. A lot of them were, and they'll never be with you, but some of them worked. Why did those groups go the other way? Why did our side not engage in an absentee balloting strategy? Why did our side not engage in a litigation strategy? Republicans have very good election lawyers, and pretty much all of the major election lawyers on the GOP sat on the sidelines this year. What led them to sit on the sidelines? And some of them, frankly, were not asked. Some of them that I've talked to didn't want to be a part of what they perceived as a clown show of incompetent people that they saw play out after the election with Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. But then there's one last thing you need to understand. I've read many a story like this over the year, and there's something else you have to understand about it. Most of the power players who work behind the scenes want to stay behind the scenes. What this is, is credit grabbing as well. They're not bragging about stealing an election. There's no proof they stole the election. They're not bragging about committing vote fraud. That would be a felony, and there's no proof that they committed vote fraud. What they're doing is they're bragging about being the ones, labor unions and progressive groups, who put together a coalition that they want you to believe saved democracy and the electoral process in America. Had they not gotten together and done what they did, the process probably would have worked out exactly the same way. Had they not gotten together and done what they did, the outcome could have been the same way. But they want credit for it. And that ultimately is what this story is all about. A group of progressives are concerned that Joe Biden likes Mitch McConnell and has a good bipartisan working relationship behind the scenes in Congress. And they have a progressive grab bag that they want from Congress and from the Biden administration. And they need Joe Biden and the people in Washington to understand this was started as a progressive cause. This was started as a way to save democracy, and therefore they are owed. In my experience dealing with these stories on both the right and the left, what you have is a group of people who are bragging, who are overplaying their hand, who are amplifying their involvement, all because they want something out of Washington. Molly Ball is a great writer. She actually wrote a profile of me a number of years ago. Molly Ball's a great writer. She's giving these people exactly what they want, enough rope to hang themselves, frankly. Uh, They want to be known as the people who saved America. They want to be known as the people who saved democracy. Well, she's willing to let them be defined by that and let the chips fall where it may. And some of these people will wind up not getting what they want, uh, in large part because uh, they're bragging too much. And oftentimes when you brag as much as these people are bragging, you wind up getting the short end of the stick because the people who work behind the scenes in private to actually ensure the integrity of the election become livid that you're trying to claim credit oftentimes for things you don't deserve. These types of stories tend to not go well for the people who rush to the media to brag about what they did. There's no proof of a stolen election. There's no proof of fraud. What there's proof of is that Democrats outmaneuvered Republicans, were able to get corporations to side with them, were able to even get some Republican groups to side with them, were able to use the president's campaign's efforts to undermine absentee balloting against them, and ultimately want to brag to get something out of the Biden administration. This probably won't wind up for them the way they think it will. I, this, this, these types of stories come out every four years. And again, the people who rush out and try to brag and make these salacious claims are typically the ones who wind up getting exactly the opposite of what they want. I really do like his opinion on